everyone, I am Darren Carp on the mic here with my boyfriend, oh, Magic, oh. and his father, John. Well, Magic Thrasher. is out. Yes, hello. What, 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 I can't leave Magic in the office I when I record because he chews my cords up. And guess what you need when you record a podcast? Lots of cords. That seems like a high-maintenance situation. How is it my is. boy, though? Is he adjusting to his neutered life? He is. He actually, yes, rebounded very quickly, thankfully. Um, He's doing great. Yeah, he's doing, he's just getting fat because, well, quite frankly, you know, like I told you before, I rescued him from the streets, okay? And, um, excuse me, and, you know, he's not eating great on the streets, so he's super thin and fragile when I bring him in. Well, (laughs) now you're porking him up. now, Now he's eating like better than I am, quite frankly, probably. Good. Yeah, and Good. he's a th- he's a little bit thick. What so. was he's thick? What he's thick. um, what is the biggest thing you've learned about being a cat owner that you had not known before? Well, the biggest thing I would imagine is just that I have to be more mindful about being home, which I've never had to do. You know, like to feed him specifically, but he also really loves and needs attention. I've noticed. Um, like he's not like everyone's like cats just do their thing and like they do, but they also really enjoy being petted and cuddled and, and touched and you know, that's his love language. Um, just like humans. Yeah, We like to be alone, but also like to be petted and touched. I think that's true. Yes. So, you know, like I'll go out of town for the day or something and I'll look at the clock and he usually eats around nine in the evening and I'm like, oh my God, it's 1030. I got to get home and feed this stinking cat. Um, but yeah, yeah, everything else has been pretty good. I am good. I will say though, on that note, I am looking into like one of those automated feeders that like is on a timer and just because I mean, I can't even be bothered to feed him like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm so lazy about, about this. Feeding your animal. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. About feeding a a living animal that I'm in charge of. Yeah, exactly. Is Magic going to make an appearance for our patrons for our live stream? Great segue. I will I will be uh, debuting Magic uh. in our next live stream, which we are excited to announce right now. Darren, tell everybody when the next Patreon exclusive live stream is happening. It's going to happen April 17th at around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is barring any traffic Things that hopefully I will not be <laughs> caught right. in because sometimes I do get caught in traffic well, listen, and I will be even, in Los Angeles at that point. Yeah. But uh, April yeah. 17th, 8 p.m., come join us. And even if you're in traffic, you can jump on your phone and be on That's Zoom. True. Yeah, so That's don't true. even sweat it. You'll be fine. But yeah, April Is 17th. magic going to be in a Pikachu costume? Perfect. Another perfect segue for Darren because um, from Darren. He will not be in one, Darren, but I have an exciting announcement myself Did you about find it. About um about the Pikachu costume that everyone's been, by the way, DMing me on my Instagram about. Good. Um I do not I did not find it. However, <sighs> to appeal to those of you who are begging, who are watching as sussy radishes on uh, Patreon right now who keep asking me to wear a Pikachu hat, keep asking me to wear a Pikachu shirt. I will say, I was at this amazing store called Five Below. Have you ever heard of this store? 
Yes. Oh Oddly, my, my brother just asked me about that store five below. That's weird. But that is Two weird. Two people in like four days. That is very weird because I it's one of those like discounty type of stores, but it has cool stuff. They had Pikachu masks. And I was like, this might be a bridge too far for me. Okay. okay. So what I'm going to do is reveal my uh, Pokemon reveal. Instead of the hat, I have a Pokemon background. That's, that's right. Okay, that's okay. I'm gonna yeah. do it. It's it's a Pokemon background. If you're if you don't know what I'm talking about, what you're is have that to, Pokemon? <laughs> I'll tell you. I um, decided to go with Fire Type Score Bunny because this episode's coming out, Darren, on Easter Sunday. Oh, for those Easter. who celebrate. Oh, because yep. you're gonna do a bunny on fire. A bunny okay. on fire. Cool. And I was gonna do Pikachu, but I thought it's Easter. We got to go with Score Bunny. So um, for those of you who love Pokemon, you'll know exactly what Score Bunny is. So Score Bunny is uh, the featured Pokemon of the week. Do you have a I problem? Know. You're giving me, it's Darren's giving me like, I'm unsure about my friendship vibes. You know, I was actually thinking of the, of like how I used to play Pokemon. Yeah. Because for some reason that background just like hit me nostalgia feeling of me oh. trying to collect Pokemon. How did we play Pokemon back in the day when it first came out? Well, I wasn't a big Pokemon player. Well, it was just a trading card game at I first. I know that, but like. Game Boy. Be, it was on Game Boy and then eventually game on. Boy. Yep, that must yep. have been how I played it then because I had yep. a Game Boy. Now, Score Bunny, who's on my shoulder here, is one of the newer Pokemon. I think he's like Gen 7. So you probably wouldn't have remembered him from when you were kids. But there are other bunny Pokemon that you might remember, such it's as... It's just the whole cartoony thing is giving me... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's giving like Saturday morning cartoon vibes mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, for so if you guys um, want to see Score Bunny, you can get become a Sussy Radish on Patreon and see this video podcast right now, or you can sign up and join us on, or I should say, and you can join us uh, for our live stream, April 17th at 8 p.m. Darren, there was a lot of controversy around what time we should be doing these sure. Patreon live streams because some people are in the East Coast, some people are in the West Coast, some people are in Australia, some people are, are in uh, London, England. Uh, you know, they're all, they're okay. all over uh, the place. So what we did is we went to Patreon and we asked everybody, not just Sussy Radishes and Radishes, what time they think that we should do these live streams. Darren, as of this recording, it's a commanding, the winning uh, time is a commanding 47%, say 8 to 9 p.m. So that's what we're going with this time. If you don't like it, sorry to tell you. That's what we're doing. So that's all we can do, guys. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta find a healthy balance. But I'm excited. I'm excited for your costume. I'm excited for yeah. who knows what I'm gonna wear. That's right. I, I'm Wait a minute. Did you say costume? We're doing costumes. Well, I don't well, know. We have if a mask. I mean, that's gotta count for something. I maybe I will go back to five below and get that Pikachu mask for the um for the live stream. Just I think you should. Yeah, but I mean, this money, this face makes money though. So I don't know. Not much. I know we're going to be talking about true crime. I would love yes. to know, you know, one of the things before we get into this week's episode, by the way, which is really intense. So be prepared for that. Um, one of the things I always think about and I'd love to discuss with you guys when you're on our live stream is why do we like true crime so much? What has drawn those of us in this genre, those of us who podcast, Darren, you and I to this? And it's a question that I think you and I have answered a billion times over the years at 
you know, conventions and appearances and live shows and things like that. But when, when someone asks you that, Darren, what, like, what, how do you respond? Like, why do, why are we so fascinated by true crime? I mean, I have like canned answers for things in terms of like why I think psychologically we do that. I mean, I think we do it because like on one hand, you know, especially for women, like it's teaches us what to kind of look out for. It's kind of nice to know all those stories, but at the same time, I don't think that women who are watching, let's say, a Ted Bundy doc are necessarily going to think that they're vic- being going to be victims of a, of a Ted Bundy-esque type of person. Yeah. But I think it is like the dramatization of the entire thing. I mean, I think it is finding answers and security in something that feels very out of your control and feels very scary. Again, yeah. not only just learning, but just in general, like solving something like that I think makes us all collectively feel good whether it's from armchair detectives or police doing their job or the crook being an idiot you know (laughs) and I tend to like nonfiction more than fiction in general it's not that I've never read any good fiction stories but I just like nonfiction because it helps me to relate to something sure and so I think kind of putting yourself even if it's a horrible situation in those scenarios makes us inherently a little bit more fascinated by that and I also I think people are just curious about the unknown and why people do the things totally. that they do. And so that was, uh, I think that's kind of like the main thing. I mean, for me, it's weird because when I look back, I mean, I think about what I used to watch as a kid, Dateline, America's Most Wanted, Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries, like the original ones, you know, those are very yeah. crime heavy, you know, those yeah, are very, sure. especially especially America's Most Wanted, you know, and granted, yeah. like I was watching it with my parents but I loved the stories, you know, like, yeah, I love, why are you laughing at me? Because like, I watched it as a kid. Yeah. Like the idea that like I was watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and you were laid back on a Friday night on your sofa watching America's Most Wanted I watched as a an eight year old, you know, adult TV. You did. Kid, I love you know, it. Like, it's amazing. I had very sophisticated taste because my parents always let me watch what they were watching. Yeah. You know, and so I watched it too. But I, I just love that those are your like go-to shows. You know? No, abs- like I watched that though. And like <laughs> I don't remember really putting two to two, two and two together when I was a kid yeah. of like, why do I like this so much? But yeah. there is a lot of fascination, just like a duck. Like there's just a lot of fascination of why yeah. people are the way they are. I mean, there's sort of a reason that a lot of women tend to be in psychology types of fields and stuff like that. Yeah. Like nursing fields. It's about kind of like helping people and trying to discover the psychology of everything. And so I think that has to play a part into it, you know? I totally agree with you. And I do think that the big draw is the shock factor because I think a lot of us go through our days and we're like, you know, going to work, taking our kids to school, we're going right. grocery shopping and we don't see the murder happening in the house two doors down, you know? So like, I think the shock factor of being like, oh my God, a human would do something like that. How, why, when should I be worried? You know, I think that is, and then you add the mystery element to it too, you know, like with missing cases. Yeah. Like a puzzle. Exactly. So anyway, this is just a little tidbit of what we will get into on our next live stream, which is Monday, April 17th at 8 PM Eastern time. You do have to be a radish or a sussy radish on Patreon uh, by at least 7.30 that night, which is when yeah. we send the uh, the invitations on Zoom uh, out to the, your Patreon inbox. So you have until then to sign up. If you are 
you know, a friend or a best friend and uh, haven't upgraded yet, now is the time to do it. We're going to be chatting with you. We're going to do games. I'm going to be upgrading my best friend and podcast partner shortly. So That's good. That's I don't good. You blame should you do guys that. for doing that. Yeah, I don't blame yeah. you guys for wanting to do that. I've been trying to get in with Magic for a very long time. So, <laughs> yes, Magic will make. I want to see in the world, John. There you go. And Magic yeah. will be making an appearance, whether he likes it or not. Maybe I do a Magic cam. You know, like uh, I set up a whole other Zoom and like he's uh, over. Wait, we should do that on these yes. episodes. Just like anyway. Okay. Here's the thing. Going to set up um, Magic Cam for the live stream. And then on episodes after that, we're going to include him here in our um, in our regular video episodes. There. Yeah, because like, I want to see what he's doing when you're doing this. You know? Well, I don't even know where he is right now. That's the other thing. He can't be in this room or he's going to chew the cords up and cause chaos. So we'll see where he is by that point. But Well, speaking of causing chaos, let's get into this. Week's let's get case. into it. We've been chatting yeah. for way too long. So... On June 27, 1981, in Aurora, Colorado, police officer Deborah Kaur pulled over a vehicle for what appeared to be drunk driving. The vehicle had been passing in and out of lanes, causing danger to other drivers, so the officer turned on her lights and followed the car until it pulled over to the side of the road. Deborah had no... By the way, let's take this moment right now, Darren, and say, don't drink and drive, guys. You don't have to be drunk to make not a, a major idea. mistake on the road. So don't even It's not don't even harming even, you, it's harming other people. Yeah, you're harming other people. You don't want the you don't want to be in some sort of fatal accident and have that on your hands for the rest of your life. Exactly. It happens to the best of people. I hate to say it, but it's Thank true. Thank God for Uber though. Thank God. Yeah. Use Uber, use Lyft, find a designated driver. And I think this is really important right now too as we head into prom season, graduation mm, season. Mm. You know, that's when a lot of these tragedies happen, sadly. Nonetheless, Deborah had no way of knowing that the standard traffic stop would not only be the end of her own life, but would bring her face to face with a vicious serial killer. The erratic driver that evening was Joe Michael Irvin. When Deborah approached the driver's window, Joe surprised her and immediately began wrestling her for her weapon. So she didn't even have a chance to be like, hey, uh, you know, uh, license and registration. Like he immediately just jumped right into yeah, exactly. the physicality of this all. And a man named Glenn Spies uh, just so happened to be driving by when he witnessed the scene. As he pulled over behind the car and got out to help her, he heard the 26-year-old officer yelling for help. Glenn then says he heard four gunshots, quickly realizing that one of those shots had hit him. Uh. The other had been aimed directly at Deborah, killing her. Joe then drove off from the scene, leaving the bleeding officer to die on the side of the road. Glenn survived his wounds, which allowed for him to help identify both Joe and the vehicle he was driving. He would shortly thereafter be tracked down and arrested for the crime, but it would be over 40 years before the true extent of Joe's violent acts would see the light of day. This is just, you know, this spans a lot of years and a lot of time, and it kind of just goes to show, like... I don't know. It could take a long time to really solve every single thing we got going out on there. You know what I mean? I mean, Absolutely. like even look at Heyman Lee when we were talking about Adnan Sayed, like even just Adnan's situation right now, it just goes to show that the decades people spent of trying to exonerate this man when there's no evidence to <laughs> prove that he did it. Yeah. That can be washed away kind of in a moment. Totally. And I, I just want to give two quick shout outs or two quick plugs, I guess you could say. Number one, if you don't know what we're talking about with the Adnan Syed news, go back to our most recent NMR episode on our feed. 
We talked extensively about what's going on with his case. Uh, number two, on, on the topic of uh, basically cold cases, I am the senior producer at A&E for a show called The Cold Case Files. So check out that podcast because those stories, very similar to this one, are unbelievable. Like the how long and how, how all the different things that so many families have gone through. Yeah. Um, I really, I really highly suggest it. But Darren, um, tell us more about Joe Michael Irvin and what, what's going on here. Yeah, he was born, Joe Michael Irvin was born on June 25th, 1951 in Fort Worth, Texas. And he attended the local public school and became a well-respected football player when he reached high school. Tech, football is a religion in Texas and in terms <laughs> of just down south in general. Yeah. But that respect vanished when he actually committed his first murder at the age of 17. And if you're doing the mm. math, that's 1968 we're talking wow. about. Wow. Okay? Good math. Listen, ma- math on the air, I'm very impressed that you were able to do that. And this is now 13 years prior right. to the Deborah Core incident, which is what we led yep. the show with. So obviously, you know, this is a. Big deal. Now, on yeah. August 8th, 1969, Joe was an unidentified friend at a popular local hangout, Barry Bowl Bowling Lanes. That is a name. Barry Bowl Bowling Lanes. <laughs> I wonder if and it's still there. I'll, I'll look it up while you're doing that. The two were loitering outside when they noticed a car parked with two men sitting inside. And inside that vehicle were two local college students, 21-year-old Rodney Bonham and his friend Larry Holt. Now, Joe approached the car and leaned into the passenger window to ask them a question. And according to Larry, he asked if they were waiting for anybody, but before they could answer, Joe reached into his jacket and pulled out a pistol. This just seems so kind of random to me. Like, doesn't Yeah, seem... like what's the motivation or whatever? Right. Well, he shot Rodney in the neck and then turned the gun on Larry, threatening him to carefully follow his orders. Now, in the ordeal, Larry was able to wrestle the gun away temporarily so he could escape the car and run inside for help. Also interesting that he would target two men, uh, not to say anything about like strength differences, but you'd think that this guy would probably go for a little bit more of a vulnerable, maybe like groups of girls, because yeah. these guys are 21. They're at their like athletic prime here. They yeah, could probably point. wrestled away. But Joe fled the scene and four days later, Rodney unfortunately passed away. Remember, he was shot in the neck, mm. uh, passed away in the hospital as, re- as a result of his injuries. And after hearing word of Rodney's death, Joe was bold enough to call the Bonham household and admit to killing their son. Oh, my God. He said, quote, we all got to go sometime, but I'm sorry I shot him, he said to Rodney's grieving father. Wow. What a what Okay, a stand doesn't up seem guy. like any rhyme or reason for any of this stuff. Yeah. Well, as you can expect, a warrant was put out for his arrest shortly after, accompanied with a $650 reward. Now, remember, this isn't modern time, so... Uh, well, I mean, it's modern, but this was decades ago. His motives for the crime are still unknown to this day, but as the search for Joe grew, he knew he wouldn't be able to remain in Texas. By the way, I did look up the Barry, what was it, Barry Bowles Bowling Lane? Yes. <laughs> it looks like there's something in Fort Worth, Texas called that, but not sure if it's the exact same place. So just wanted to let you know. Okay. Yeah, from there he fled the state, by the way, relocating to Denver, Colorado, and changing his last name to Irwing. In Denver, he started a new life and successfully managed to avoid detection by authorities. Because remember, back in the day, you could start a new life like this. You didn't have digital forensics and cameras and the same types of... Even like social security was probably in a different place. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just always fascinated about that in our country, how like... 
not that long ago, you could go start a new life and a new identity. I just feel like you can't really do that now. I mean, in theory, in theory, you can kind of, I wonder, like, if you really wanted to do it, I feel yeah. like you could start a new life. Like, yeah, maybe not in this country as easily, but if I, like, fled to Mexico, yeah. I don't know. You know, like, I don't know how easily I could do that. Probably easier than you think if you are willing to kind of either wear a wig or change up your I mean you remember like Robert Durst I was like, just gonna say Robert woman, Durst you know yeah. and obviously that didn't work out so well in his favor but like there's wasn't ways he, wasn't he arrested in an airport wearing a like a prosthetic mask or something, something crazy something. that guy was such a weirdo I think he's yeah. dead now well anyway Joe's attempts to stay under the radar however were not successful he was brought in as a suspect for several crimes including a rape and a murder case, although no charges were ever formally placed on those. Despite his run-ins with the law, police still did not connect that he was the same person responsible for the murder in Texas. Hmm. This was partially due to the fact that his birthday had been incorrectly entered into the crime database. What? Further helping him avoid detection. I'm like, come on, that's human like error. That's just a lucky break. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. You're right. This small clerical error would end up causing irreversible harm. And frankly, it cost four women their lives because he goes on to to do even more harm here. Isn't it weird that like one little digit and Darren and I are tracking down some mail right now. So this is yeah. kind of funny that we're we'll talk about. I that almost said, time. yeah, well, I'll report back on that. Yeah, hunt. we'll report yeah. back. But it's like one digit off and someone's whole life could change. And then go off to to create even more problems for more people. It's just, it's just so weird. The butterfly effect is in full effect here, if you ask me. Well, that's but. why I just feel like people need to be more open about a lot of different things. Whether it, like the thing about our criminal justice system is it's, nothing is ever going to be perfect to get all the criminals all the time and no one innocent. But it right. does make you kind of think, like, especially with Adnan Sayad or other things that like, there's plenty of errors that go into this stuff because we're human beings. So yeah be more open to that and you know like just like people's memories are long so are their typing hands yeah. you know you're saying be more open like to the fact that like, mistakes just, may, are made mistakes are made mm -hmm. and that sometimes goes sometimes that's a great thing and sometimes that's a really shitty thing but it still matters because we're all human beings so like right. as much as we want it to work out perfectly that like yes mistakes were made so let this innocent man off the hook it also means that we're going to make guilty people go free Yeah. but you know that's kind of a shitty thing but it's almost impossible to like yeah yeah we can't just create this rule just for people we think are innocent it yeah has i mean to the court-based you know yeah the justice system is not perfect and it's not at a, at a fault of the system or well it is a fault of the system but not necessarily uh human error you know like it's just normal that like in a society like we've built that things like that are gonna pass through and get under you know slip through the cracks sadly absolutely you know, you endeavor to have the most justice possible. But anyway, back to this story in December of 1978, um, you know, by virtue of the wrong birthday on his record, Joe would take the life of his next victim, 33-year-old Madeline Fury Livaudez. I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Livaudez. Yeah. Or Livaudez, yeah. yeah, if you're French. Um, Madeline was a magazine editor and mother of two. On December 7th, Madeline, Madeline's husband Antonio left work, leaving her and their two children at home. 
When Antonio returned later that, that evening, he could tell something was wrong within minutes of entering the house. On the back porch, he saw their youngest child on a swing completely alone. It's Not a good sign. There's, some, there's something creepy about that. Like that, that, is that very reminds creepy. me of like a strangers movie or something when they just like, even though it's a kid, like you see just like a door, you yeah, know, like back swinging. and forth or yeah. something. I, I, I don't know. It's just it crazy. is creepy. Kids are creepy in general, though. I agree. Inside the home uh, was their toddler sitting alone in the dark watching TV. Another weird thing. Another creepy uh, imagery there. Well, tragically, as Antonio walked upstairs to their bedroom, he stumbled into a horror scene. Madeline lay on the ground, surrounded in a pool of her own blood. And she had been brutally stabbed and appeared to have been lying there for quite some time. So a really disturbing scene unfolding in the house. Just the thought of two children just going about their day while their mother is murdered in the other room is just really horrifying. I'm I'm kind of curious, like, did the kids just know to, like, go be entertained? Did they... Are they so young they they don't even know? Do they know? You know, why is no one crying? Were they there to witness? Like, we don't know anything. Yeah. But nothing in the house was missing or moved. So, again, there's just no clear motive for why he would kind of do this outside of maybe there's just, like, this impulse to kill. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, the de- and granted, he didn't kill the kids. Right, yeah. So, again, like, it's just also not clear what the motive is. And at this point in time, the Denver Police Department was overwhelmed with unsolved murder cases. And Madeline's case, sure enough, kind of slipped through the cracks and went cold. This allowed Joe once again to avoid detection and get away with murder. Ridiculous. I, 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 it's just like, yeah. I but I also like outside of like having better police force. <laughs> like I don't know how this could have not happened. Yeah. Like it yeah. just seems like a back. I don't know. But two years later, another innocent victim was slain. Fifty-three-year-old Dolores Barajas was walking home from work on August tenth, nineteen eighty, and she'd been visiting Denver for the summer to spend time with family and had picked up a job at a local hotel to earn some money while on her trip. But the night of August 10th was her very last shift before returning home. At about 7, 10 a.m., local police received a call about a woman lying on the side of the road. Mm. And when they arrived, they found Dolores, who had suffered numerous stab wounds. Although she was still clinging to life when found, she passed away mm. before paramedics could, al- could arrive. And much it's just, yeah, much like that. Madison's case, Dolores's also went cold with no immediate suspects or potential leads. Her children and grandchildren would be stuck wondering what happened for decades while her killer went about his normal life, which is probably the most insufferable detail of this entire story. Yeah. As horrible as as this is. And before the year was up, Joe would claim yet another victim, but police had yet to make any connection between the string of murders and each case was being investigated individually. Although, depending on how they died... I don't necessarily, even though it's like kind of within a similar area, you can't really blame the police department if they have no clues, no suspects, no anything to just tie certain murders together because they happened. You know, like yeah. they're all different ages. They're, are they, uh, you know, the people in the car, Madeline in the house. It doesn't seem to fit like a profile. Yeah, and it's also making me wonder too. I mean, I don't we don't have this information, but like was evidence collected? Like, you know, if you're a backlog police department knowing that this is going to take like I'm just wondering what attention to the crime scene was being done at that point. Yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know. Especially in like the late 70s and early 80s, like you don't really hear about a lot of like 
really careful police departments. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, in December of 1980, a 27-year-old woman named Gwendolyn Harris disappeared after leaving a nightclub in downtown Denver. On December 21st, police received a report of a young woman seemingly unconscious on the side of the road. When they arrived at the scene, they found the young woman already deceased as a result of multiple stab wounds. His killing spree was gaining momentum with less and less time in between each murder. A little over a month after Gwendolyn, Joe would commit perhaps his most heinous murder yet. Darren, on my birthday, January 24th, 1981, police were called to an open field where the body of a young girl was found brutally stabbed. The autopsy confirmed that it was the body of 17-year-old Antoinette Parks, who was somewhere between six and seven months pregnant. The teenager had gone missing with the previous evening while walking home from a friend's house nearby. Maybe if you weren't born on this day, John, none of this would have happened. And even though this oh. was a few years before you were born, it yeah, still kind of makes sense. I could still blame you for this. Okay, it's all my fault. Gotcha. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Well, despite similar MOs of the murders, police still had yet to connect them. In fact, there was little effort put into investigating any of these slayings until the death of Officer Kaur, who we were but talking about at the top of the show. Even though it's similar MOs, we're not really sure what the MO is. Right, exactly. Outside yeah, of what just like is... randomly killing people and leaving them on the side of the road, and that's not even right. true for all of them, because the first guy was shot in the neck. It's just like... There's not really similar MOs here. Yeah, you're right. There are different ages, different, you know, men and women. Like, there's a lot of different kind of things going on. So, yeah, it, it is it's a little weird. hard to tell. Yeah. Well, when the police officer was shot, Joe was tracked down in a matter of days and arrested for the crime. He was held at the Adams County Jail in Brighton, Colorado, where he confessed to shooting and killing Deborah Kaur. Now, Joe actually took his own life on July 1st, 1981 by hanging himself in his holding cell shortly before his trial was set to begin. Mm -hmm. And while he may have managed to avoid justice, the full extent of Joe's crimes didn't come to light for over two decades. Just last year, on January 28th, 2022, the Denver Police Department officially listed Joe Michael Irvin as the killer of Madeline, Dolores, Gwendolyn, and Antoinette. With the help of modern DNA technology, authorities were able to link Joe to each of those crime scenes, finally bringing closure to the families and closing these cases once and for all. Joe was posthumously charged with four counts of first-degree murder, but, of course, unfortunately, he will never face the true justice. But I do like that they posthumously charged him. You know what I mean? think it kind of completes the circle, and I think it shows, you know... Uh, vindication for the family, but it certainly is frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, investigators have expressed the possibility that there may be even more victims linked to Joe, and they're continuing to investigate the full scope of his crimes. And I just have to say, gotta love DNA technology. A lot of these cold cases. Yeah, and you know, on that show, Cold Case Files, that I'm the senior producer on, you know, especially this season, um, there have been so many, uh, I think almost all of the episodes from this season are very focused on DNA technology. And we hear a lot about it with the Golden State Killer, but you don't hear about the lesser profile uh, cases, but they are happening often, you know, very often. So it's just, justice hopefully will be served. And Darren, the other thing that's coming to mind is, You know, one of the things I've been saying on Twitter, on social media, et cetera, is 
Why haven't we found any new details about the John Benet Ramsey case? They have DNA. Uh, you know, they even I, have... I have, a, I have a few theories about that. Well, we do. That'll get, get us in trouble if we bring it up on the show. But, you know, um, I just feel like, you know, we've got all this DNA technology, the John Benet Ramsey case. You know, it's one of the biggest profile cases ever in true crime. You know, I feel like it's all just sitting there waiting to get tested, you know? I think that... It's hard to say because I, even the JonBenet stuff, because the family had sort of messed up the crime scene originally by cleaning things, they moved mm -hmm. her body. Again, very sussy stuff. Yeah. Not to say that they're guilty, but just very sussy stuff. In a court of law, how could you ever know beyond a reasonable doubt that it was someone given that? That's true. Yeah. So well, I think if, that it's like, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if there is a complete stranger's DNA that doesn't belong to anybody in that household... You got to think about that. I mean, if it was on her, I should say. I don't really know off the top but of my head about the John Binet DNA. Say that again. It, it, Sorry. it makes me think that there isn't, right? And like, I don't, yeah. we, I, you know, everyone knows like our theories, I feel like, especially if you were a Martini supporter, <laughs> what That's we true. thought of Jean Binet, certainly at shows, and who we think maybe what happened to her in actuality. But I do think, given the prominence, the wealth, and the race of that family, you know, if someone had murdered John Bonet that was a stranger in that house and they had collected DNA, that would have been seen in the court of law as quickly as possible. Like, do I know that for sure? A hundred percent? No. But I think I can make a reasonable set of assumptions that like when people have prominence and you also have connections to the police department and you're also wealthy, they'll get their crime solved pretty Quicker than I would say the normal average yeah. bear. Not everyone, but yeah. certainly that is all the makings to getting it done. And so I think if they did find anybody's random DNA, it would have been processed, which is what makes me think they didn't find that. Not that that doesn't happen, but that yeah. they don't have any DNA outside of people that we already could naturally think would be in that household at that time. Well, I feel like there's a, um, from what I remember about this, and I wish I had some like, articles right now there was dna gathered from her fingernails and underwear i believe that was not connected to the family right um and was i think hidden from like the investigate like from the public or something for a long time so i don't know the john Benet ramsey case is just a mess to begin with but yes to your point darren i think you know I just feel like there, there is, there is information about that case that could probably take another look, you know, oh, especially agree. with with DNA phenotyping now. Like you don't even really have to, you barely have to brush your skin against somebody and they can tell you who it was. So I just really would like to see that case find the killer because it, it deserves justice. But anyway, that's not the case we're talking about today. I just went no, off I, about DNA. <laughs> I agree. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I agree with all of that. And certainly any case deserves like a second look and a closer look and even people behind bars now, you know, unfortunately I just don't yeah. know if we have the resources to do that, especially when it's like, as we always talk about the criminal justice system, especially in their funding is always fucked up. And I'm not sure that even more funding would help or less funding would help. I feel like it's more targeted yeah. areas. Maybe we shouldn't have so many 
stupid crimes that people are in prison for so we can focus on the actual killers and bad people in this world Preach. but yeah. i digress um let's end on a positive note though with a social plug uh here from our listeners okay uh some listener shout outs and obviously we want to know what you guys think at j thrasher at carpe darren but uh, roxana says mom and dad yes to the tiktok live <laughs> We're thinking about how to make it work. Now, yeah. John, TikTok is your area, not my area. So. Yeah, that's true. Although I will say, Darren, it might be time to sign up for a TikTok for you because we're trying to think on how to make this work. I think last week I mentioned, would you guys like to see us live stream on TikTok one of our episodes, which I think could be a fun experiment, you know, if nothing else. And Darren, if that's the case, I could bring you on to the TikTok live with me, just like we do our live streams for Patreon. Um, I don't know. We're thinking about it, Roxana. Thanks for the feedback. If you guys yeah. listening would find that really interesting, let us know and we'll work on that. For now, we're going to focus on the Patreon live stream, though. So yeah. be on the lookout for that. I also want to give a shout out to Nicole with an M in our Facebook group, who shared a picture of Taco Bell Crocs, Darren. Saw this, loved it, count it. And I don't even know if they are real. It looked like it might have been a little bit of a Photoshop, but, like, I need them. And so if anyone knows where to buy these Taco Bell Crocs, please do link me. You can DM me at Jay Thrasher, blah, blah, blah. Um, I really would like them. He needs a cheesy gordita croc. Oh, boy, that was really good. Were you sitting on that one for, for a little bit? I was bit? thinking about okay. it. I was, I was ruminating. Okay. I was ruminating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was ruminating. I was ruminating. Um, but anyway, sign up for Patreon to see, uh, you know, everything that we've got going on. We've got polls. We've got bonus NMR we've episodes. We've got Pikachus. Pikachus. We've, we've got, got polls, Pikachus, and patrons. That's beautiful. Look at you on a rollover Thank here. You. Uh, and we've got, of course, this very episode that you're listening to right now. You can watch it with my score bunny Pokemon background if you're really into that type of thing. Is it? Do you think I should just like bring a new Pokemon on every single week at this point? Like, is that what we should do? Yeah, and I think that we should give the people who don't have access to the video clues as to what Pokemon <laughs> it could be. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Okay. For Patreon, you can join for as little as $5 a month. And actually, you can get it even cheaper if you sign up annually. And you could be our friend, our best friend, a radish, or the ultimate, a sussy radish. And Darren's giving a lot of theatrics. Just hand so. motions, yeah. yes. This is obviously the best way to show the support directly. So thank you, no matter how much you've contributed. We really appreciate it. Also, rate, review, subscribe. It helps us get seen, and it costs you nothing except your time, which obviously is valuable, so we appreciate anything that you guys can give. All links for Patreon can be found in our show notes or patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. It is all one word. That's right, and we got to give some love to our lovely producer who helped bring this episode to life today. One, two, three. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. Megan, we love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Happy Easter to all of those who celebrate and to all the kids finding Easter egg hunts and doing all that. That's so fun. <laughs> I miss that as a kid. So Aww. and yeah. check your freshies. Check your freshies. And you know, you know how I collect Pez? Easter was yeah. how I got into it because my mom Aww. put Pez dispensers in our Easter baskets as kids, and that's how my brother and I got into it. Anyway, That's so lovely. Check your freshies, people. Check your Have freshies a happy and your Pez dispenser. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>